Welcome to Nursing Your Career, a podcast that explores the different career paths in the field of nursing. Whether you're just starting out or looking to try something new, Nursing Your Career offers insight from the people who live it every single day. All right, sweet. So we are here with another episode of Nursing Your Career podcast, and we have an awesome person here today. We have Brienne, and she is a maternity nurse, so she's going to take us through our her day-to-day, her day-to-day, and uh, let us know what's up. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me. No problem. Um, so maternity nursing is a big one. Yes, it is. It's something that, believe it or not, like most accelerated programs, they get it early. They get it front-loaded in their program. Okay. So there's a lot of curiosity about maternity nursing and mm-hmm. the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. So before we get started, like, so how, how did you get into the, the profession, nursing as a whole? Um... That's a good question. I feel like since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be in the medical field in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember writing an essay in the second grade and I wanted to be an obstetrician. I remember my second grade teacher having to Google how to spell it. It's like no other second grader wants to be an obstetrician. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, I ended up being a professional ballet dancer for a long time. And by the time I retired from that... Um, I did not want to go to medical school at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I still sort of wanted that, like, take care of people kind of thing. That was always something that interested me. And so um, I thought about it for a long time. And then the opportunity kind of presented itself to me to go back to school with, like, changes in jobs and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I decided to take the plunge into nursing school. And um, that was that. I loved every minute of it. Did you do like a standard program or did you do an accelerated program? So I did um, like an accelerated associates program because okay. I went straight from high school into professional dance. So mm. I never did like an undergrad um, college program. So this was an associate degree program. Um, it was a two-year program. Intense. Super intense, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we actually had um, our maternity rotation hour at the beginning of our second year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually was kind of hard to do it that way because you spent the whole first year um, like learning about sick people and how to take care of sick people. And then it was like kind of going back and unlearning a lot of that. Like you're not assuming that everybody's sick you're assuming that everybody's healthy um and so that was like a little bit of a change i remember even just like in approaching test questions was remember this person's healthy they're not sick so like what are you gonna do like what are your whatever interventions or whatever the nursing school language was but um yeah it was it was an intense program (laughs) yeah and when you finished did you go right into maternity or did you start somewhere else i started somewhere else so i graduated in 2020 i graduated in may of 2020 <laughs> so just so, just as the world is literally shut as down. everything shut down yeah i remember taking an exam on whatever it was say monday going to nursing school on tuesday everybody's talking about covid in march and they're like you know the school's not shutting down but know that we may have to like take a leave of absence for a week or two and sure enough that ended up being our last class Wow. Yeah, like no graduation, no pinning ceremony, like nothing. Um, And I actually was just so, um, I just wanted to work so bad at that point because I had already had two kids um, and had taken all this time to go to school and couldn't really work full time and go to school at the same time. So it was Mm -hmm. like, I just need a job. Um, And at the time, I don't know if you remember, they were, places were hiring before you even had your license. Yep. 
So um, I got a job. I was applying for jobs before I even took my NCLEX. Wow. And got a job um, at a long-term acute care hospital. Mm. And we were talking about that before we yeah. started, the, started the podcast. <laughs> so j- just spill it. What, what was it like? Oh, God, it was not good. Okay. Um, what, what wasn't good about it? Well, in theory... I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. Like when I went into nursing school and like when I went into my rotations, I thought that what I wanted to do was pediatrics. Okay. Until I did my labor and delivery rotation, Mm -hmm. which was the same year. Maternal child health nursing was, I did my pediatric rotation first. And then the the last six weeks was maternity. And I really liked pediatrics. But once I got to maternity, I was like home, you know, like it Mm -hmm. just felt like it fit. It made sense. Right. Um, But I took this long-term care position because it was interesting to me the way they pitched it in the interview that like these people come in sick and then they're here for, you know, 30 to 60 days or whatever and Mm -hmm. they leave and they're all better. And we took this person that was like really sick and we made them better because they have speech and PT and OT and whatever. And um, When you you first get these people at the long-term, like how rough shape are they? They're sick. So this hospital had um, two different like units one was more rehab so they were like the hips and knee replacements and spinal surgeries and strokes that like they had to be able to do like an intensive day of therapy to be on that side the side that i worked on was the majority of the patients were direct icu transfers so um you know 90 percent of them were like traked and pegged and in really rough Yeah, requiring shape. like advanced ventilo- vent- yes. ventilation support. Oh, yeah. My first day on the floor, it was like G-tubes and trach suctioning. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, what am I? I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, um, for a new grad, yeah. Yeah, and it was like I worked some 3 to 11s and some night shifts. And on nights, we could have up to nine patients. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had a couple CNAs, but not nearly enough because these patients needed total care, like total care. Everybody's incontinent. No one can brush their teeth. Like Mm -hmm. they're not getting out of bed. I mean, wounds you could stick your fist in like all the way to the bone. Like Mm -hmm. these people were sick. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is kind of like an interesting, interesting dichotomy here, because on, on the one hand, it sounds like you got to do some really cool stuff right yes. out of the gate. Yes. And you got to see some really cool things like yeah. right out of the gate, yes. which is awesome. Yes. But on the other hand. I felt like I couldn't take care of anybody the way that I wanted to. Gotcha. Because there just was not enough time. It was just like running from one patient to the next to the next to the next and because these were a lot of them were like chronically ill patients the med passes alone were like two hours long yeah because everyone was on 429 meds everything had to be crushed in applesauce or like crushed to go through a g-tube and uh, or an ng tube or whatever and so it just was like between that and like a ton of wound care, mm-hmm. um, a lot of like the wound dressings were twice a day. So I'd have to do it at eight o'clock at night after it was done in the morning. Mm-hmm. It just felt like I was just chasing my own tail all gotcha. night. And I never had the time to like sit and take care of patients the way that I wanted to. And like that's kind of the reason why I wanted to get into nursing is because I wanted to take care of people. And when mm-hmm. you feel like you're just running from one patient to the next to the next, I just felt like... I really wasn't helping anybody. Yeah. And as a result, 
a lot of these people like just got sicker it felt like Mm -hmm. and then it was covid yeah and for a long time visitors were not allowed Mm -hmm. and then the minute we started allowing visitors again like i remember going home one night and coming in the next day and there was a droplet precaution sign on every single door every single door what they had done sort of like that day is instead of the two units being what they were where one was like the rehab side and one was the acute care side they made one wing a sick wing and one wing a well wing and so the acute care side became basically the covid unit gotcha and it was all these patients that were already so sick Mm -hmm. like now with covid and you're new and i'm new and they were only allowing at the time only certain nurses. I mean, everything's changed so much since COVID, but like there were only certain nurses that were COVID nurses. So I like drew the drew the short straw there of and course, I got to be the lucky the lucky COVID nurse. And even like some of the I mean, they didn't want equipment going you know, er, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. They didn't want equipment going in and out of the rooms. They didn't want CNAs going out of in and out of the rooms. So I remember my worst night I had seven patients, which wasn't so bad compared to nine. Right. But of those seven, five had COVID and those five were total cares. I had no aid. So like every incontinence change, every toothbrush, water, what like everything mm-hmm. was mine. And I just it just sucked. You're a strong new grad. <laughs> it sucked. You were a strong new grad to get through that one. I it, got, I gotta give you props. Thank you. It yeah. um it sucked like it really it just was so hard because it just felt like i was chasing my own tail i felt like i wasn't learning anything the right way i was just learned like trial by fire like being thrown off the edge of the grand canyon and just like figure it out so unfortunately it sounds like lack of support 100 percent. i mean and i think especially because i worked nights too and like no one's there no Mm. no administrations there um we'd come in especially at nights on the weekend and there would be zero ppe like i had an uncle that was like uh, he worked for the fire department and so he was like taking n95s for me from the fire department because we we didn't have any um there was a night we had reusable gowns you know the ones that like Mm -hmm. you you washed and whatever there was a night we had none None. And so we had on the rehab side of the hospital, we had like an ADL kitchen where the people learned how to boil water and there was a washing machine there. We were literally washing our own gowns in the middle of the night. Wow. Yeah. That is trial by fire. It's trial by fire. So, 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 you, so you get you get through that. Get through that. And it's, but it, it sounds like you picked up some pretty like good battle skills along the way. Yes. I am not afraid of a ventilator or a trach or a wound the size of my head, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that that's a confidence, I think, that like more and more new grads, unfortunately, mm-hmm. aren't getting. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's it almost seems like a predetermined path almost where it's mm-hmm. like you're going to go to med surge and you're mm-hmm. going to get the end. You know, I, I tell people, I said, that's not how it has to be. Right. You can get thrown into the fire. If you have the right support, mm-hmm. you can do a trial by fire. Yeah. You just you know? figure it out. Yeah. I mean, and it did make the transition because when I left there, I went to a med surge unit. It did make that transition a lot easier because I, at least I knew general medical surgical right. nursing. And so when we would get transfers from the ICU that were still traked and pegged or whatever, like I wasn't afraid of it. Yeah, you weren't afraid of it. No, you were good to it go. just... It was what it was. Absolutely. So you, so you work there, you mm-hmm. get done there. Mm-hmm. And so I lasted nine months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but it sounds like you you kind of had like dog years nine months where it was like nine oh months my god yeah like, it's like years. 49 years yeah right. um and so i left there and i took a job um at milford regional medical center and i took a job there on a med surge um tele unit that also had a pcu so i loved that because um the PCU ratios were only like three to one. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that was, you know, sort of like a goal. You had to work there for a certain month and then they would train you on PCU at first or just on the telebeds. But it was also a COVID unit. Gotcha. But in a lot of ways, it was in every way, I should say, it was significantly less scary mm -hmm. being a COVID nurse on a COVID unit because it was set up to do that, right. you know? Um, Particularly after what you had just been through. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and but, so it wasn't like everybody was a COVID patient, but at the time we were the only unit on the hospital that was taking COVID patients. And then that changed that summer and they started, you know, branching them out and sending them to other places in the hospital too. But mm -hmm. um, within a few months, I was able to um, then work on PCU. They even made me charge, which was terrifying because <laughs> I still felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but it was good for my confidence to feel like, okay, yeah. I, I, I do kind of know what I'm doing if they're mm -hmm. like giving me these opportunities. And I really liked working on PCU because I felt like I had more time mm -hmm. and not every night. I mean, some nights the shit hits the fan and you're like, you don't leave one room, especially with a COVID right. patient who's like tanking and we're intubating them at the bedside and wheeling them to the ICU, you know, mm -hmm. cause you, who knows? Right. Um, but I felt like a nurse, mm -hmm. at least the kind of nurse that like I wanted to be, or I thought the, what I thought nursing was going to be where like right. taking care of a patient and like making them feel a little bit better. Even if I wasn't making them better, I was mm -hmm. making them feel a little bit better in the yeah, moment. Absolutely. And that I really liked. But even in switching to that, I realized pretty quickly it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I loved the unit, like loved my coworkers, especially on nights. It was like the best team. It was like when everything was just going berserk around you, mm -hmm. shit just got done. Like people were medicating your patients. They were... Everybody just jumped in, like all hands on deck. And so... Isn't that the best though? It really is. Like when you have a good crew on. Yeah. Like you don't have to communicate half the time. It just happens. Like little magical elves just come in and before you know it, yeah. everything's done. Well-oiled machine. Yeah. I love that. Do you work nights or do you work days? I started working nights mm -hmm. um, and I love nights mm -hmm. just for that same reason. Yeah. There's there's a good crew. It's, you have it's, to be. It's pretty much the same people mm -hmm. in a tighter rotation schedule. Mm -hmm. So you know the people around you. Yeah. Um, which to me was the best part. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and then, so you do the PCU. Yep. And, um, and then uh, you get to where you want to go. Yep. So I was <laughs> relentless. I applied for every single nursing, like maternity nursing job that came up. Okay. You had to work on um, the. You had to work in the hospital for six months before you could apply to transfer to okay. another unit. And so, the minute my six months was up, I applied to every single <laughs> job posting, and I had my first interview. And I had applied for two jobs at the time. One was like a twelve-hour night shift position, and the other was an eight-hour position. Mm -hmm. um, and I had applied for both and I thought the interview went really well. They were like, well, if you could have a choice between which position, which one would you take? And I was like, oh, that must be a good sign. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't get it. Ooh. I know it was such a bummer, but a friend of mine got one of the jobs, which was great. And cause we worked on the same unit together. And so she ended up going first and then the other job went to someone who had maternity experience. Like I can't fault them for that. Right. Um, but it still was discouraging. And then 
that winter was rough. That like December, January was rough. So that was December, January of like 2021 into 2022. Mm-hmm. And so it was just so many COVID patients and everybody was unvaccinated and dying. And I remember, yeah, that was a tough one. Fighting with you over everything. They didn't want remdesivir. They didn't want like whatever. Mm-hmm. It was what it was. And mentally it was, I hit a wall like big time. Right. Big time, because I'd come from this hospital I didn't like. Now I was in a hospital I liked, on a unit I liked, but it was just so hard. It wore on you. So it really did. Mm -hmm. And I just was not happy. And I ended up in therapy and on Lexapro, which helped a lot. (laughs) I mean, mental health is real. There's nobody's going to fault you for that. It's so true. It's so true. And nursing is hard. Like, it it is hard on your mental health. Mm -hmm. It really, really is, no matter what field you go into, I think, because... Mm -hmm. I, I don't know anyone, I think, that's a nurse that doesn't take their patients home with them. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to yeah. separate that. And when yes. you're dealing with like really sick people, I think, especially, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just hard to shake those like ghosts sometimes. Yeah. And it got really hard for me. I tell my new people all the time, like, if you have any struggles at all, like you, help. You, you need to voice them early. Yeah. You need to. Get help, for Cause, sure. Because I say it once and I say it a thousand times. If mm-hmm. you go down nobody's getting help yeah nobody no it's so true so you have to be in the game ready to go you really do and that includes taking care of yourself and that's what i started to notice as i was like in a loop in my own brain mm-hmm. like i'd set an iv pump and i'd go back and check it like 14 times did i check it for the right rate is it on did i like you know unclamp my piggyback like mm-hmm. i would just i was just like i couldn't get out of my own head mm-hmm. And I realized it was just anxiety, like right. just stress of the situation. I just couldn't get out of my own brain. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking like a like a real cluster of a situation here for like a new grad and COVID and whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get help if you need it. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's the PSA there. Um, but long story short, I ended up applying for you know, a few other maternity jobs. And when I got my second interview, I was like, I am just going to keep applying until you hire me. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, okay. And they did. So, um, how happy were you? Oh my God. Like ecstatic. Yeah. Ecstatic. And it ended up being the same position that I had had on the other floor. So it was two twelves, like 24 hours, two twelves. Nice. Which, so I didn't have to change my kid's schedule or anything. Like it all just like seamlessly worked out from one job into the next. Double win. Yeah. It was great. So your first day as a maternity nurse. Yeah. Walk walk me through what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the unit that I work on is um, labor and delivery, postpartum, and the nursery. So we're cross-trained in all three, which was what my clinical experience was at Melrose Wakefield Hospital. And I loved that. I thought that was so cool that these nurses knew everything mm-hmm. about and could you know just they just got transferred from one floor to the next depending on like what day they came in and what what they got assigned to and i thought that was really cool because um i'm someone who gets bored easily and so i think having that where you know you don't know what you're going to get from day to day mm-hmm. is good for me yeah <laughs> it keeps me you know like busy it's not the same it doesn't get mundane right um and so first day was insanely overwhelming Mm -hmm. like crazy overwhelming because all of a sudden you're faced with the reality of i have to know everything about labor and delivery i have to know everything about taking care of mom's postpartum i have to know everything about 
taking care of babies postpartum, sick babies, breastfeeding, like C-sections. All of a sudden, I'm in the operating room. I'd never been in the operating room before. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had to learn how to circulate when um the circulator, and I have to learn to be in the operating room as the baby nurse when I'm the baby nurse. And so it was so much yeah. and i felt like i didn't know how to be a nurse anymore <laughs> did did they did they tell you though when you were hired like you're going to get ori- an orientation somebody's going to be with you yeah so the orientation is 6 months That's or a- 4 to 6 months i think i ended up doing like 4 and a half to 5 yeah. or something like that um and i think if you're a new grad it's even a little bit longer than that it's a long orientation it is a long orientation but necessary <laughs> but even that didn't feel like it was long enough you know i think everybody has a moment when they're off orientation of like <laughs> Can you put me back on for like another six months? That'd be great because yeah. it, it is just so much to learn. But I think nursing in general, like it, it is sort of on the job training. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to just be in the thick of it in order to learn. And sometimes you learn by just not knowing what the hell you're doing and just having to figure it out mm-hmm. or ask for help and figure it out. Right. Um, so it was overwhelming. I think there was a shoulder dystocia my first. It was either my first day on the floor or my second day on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I had gone in to watch a delivery. It was the first delivery I was watching um, as like, you know, working on that floor, not the ones that I had seen in nursing school. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a shoulder dystocia. So um, baby's shoulder essentially like gets stuck on the mom's pubic bone on the way out. And it's an emergency because they can like get strangled. Wow. Yeah. And so you have to lay the bed flat and you have to like press on her belly and like you have to do all these things in order to like find a way to get the baby out a lot of times babies break their collarbone or Mm -hmm. the they kind of have to break their collarbone in order to get them out Mm -hmm. um so it's it's more more a physical maneuver yes okay yes um and and sometimes it's fatal for babies like if it lasts long enough like it's a real emergency yeah um and so i was just sort of standing there against the wall like observing and all of a sudden people start yelling shoulder and i'm like what the fuck does that mean (laughs) i don't Mm -hmm. know and someone like looked at me and just said open the door and yell shoulder and so i opened the door and i yelled shoulder and Mm -hmm. fifty thousand people came running in and that's when i realized like oh something bad is happening here mm. i didn't know what it was but that's crazy um yeah it was scary i, I noticed that like my my when my wife was giving birth mm-hmm. to, to both our children actually the communication in and amongst like the L and maternity mm-hmm. nurses mm-hmm. is superb mm. like every step of my wife's laboring mm-hmm. that the nurse would come in and they would assess the situation and they would use the call light they, mm-hmm. wouldn't, they wouldn't leave the room. Mm-hmm. They would just use the call light. Yep. The, the unit administrator would pick up. Yeah. And they would say like a few words just like that. Yeah. And I didn't know this at the time. I saw this as we were leaving. Mm-hmm. But there's a big chart up on the wall at this particular hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's where every woman is in, in any particular time in her, her laboring. Oh, yeah. Yep. So whether it's like pre-labor or yep. active labor mm-hmm. or pushing. Mm-hmm. And at, like every nurse, even though they have their own patient, yeah, is aware or, or patients, mm-hmm. they're aware of what's going on with everybody oh, yeah. else. Yeah, we have like a little, we have our little labor station, which has a couple computers set up, and then we have like a huge big screen TV at the nurses station mm-hmm. that has all the strips up. Mm-hmm. So at any given moment, you know, you're sitting there watching your strip on the computer. Mm-hmm. There's other people that are eyeballing it as well, saying. The way that looks, or right. have you tried this, or have you tried that, or it's very much like a group mm-hmm. effort. Yeah, and for sure, we use the call bell a lot from the room. If there's like a real emergency and you can't, like, you hit the call bell and nothing happens, we just yank the cord right out of the wall. That sets off the alarm and everybody comes running. Like gotcha. it's, it's yeah, 
it's a well-oiled machine. I was talking to a friend of mine who works, um, she works PACU now, but she worked in the ICU for a long time. And she was like, I used to love going to codes on maternity because everything was like so hyper-organized. Like right. hemorrhages, we have like lanyards with like your role and what you do and what this nurse does and mm-hmm. everybody has a job and it's like a very well-oiled emergency mm-hmm. machine. <laughs> yeah, the 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 hemorrhage sim that, that mm-hmm. we do at the, the college that I teach at, mm-hmm. it's, I, I think they, they go about it two ways. First of all, they throw the they throw the students right in mm-hmm. and they do that for a reason and they want to get the point across about like how fast things can change yes um and how serious it is when things change yes so the first time in the sim like we expect these kids to be like with their head spinning by the time it's done yeah and that's okay yeah because we want you to feel that that anxiety mm-hmm. and we want you to feel that chaos. And that kind of how it is in the real, real world anyway. Like right. you, your head is spinning afterwards because mm-hmm. what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Everything was fine. And then it, I had a hemorrhage like that like not even a week ago. Mm-hmm. Everything was fine until it wasn't. And right. it was like, holy shit, like... So, so during your orientation, mm-hmm. did they have you do like certain things... In order, like first you would like just observe for a week and then you would take part in like a vaginal delivery and then you would look at operating or was it just like as it comes in, this is what you're going to get? A lot of it was as it came in. Um, They try to have you do like a certain amount of weeks on labor. Then you do a certain amount of weeks on postpartum. Then you do a certain number of weeks doing triage. Um, and with labor is also the C-sections. But it doesn't always work out that way. If mm. you don't have any labors, like it's a small community hospital. Right. If you don't have any labors that day or you only have one, you might not get it. And mm. so they, they try to do it that way, but it just doesn't always work out. So right. it does end up being a little bit of like you come in each day and, and things are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But um it's enough time, and they had you. They had me working forty hours, mm-hmm. thirty six to forty hours, and like I said, I usually only work twenty four. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it was most of it was over the summer when things were a little bit easier, like childcare wise. But um, I you need that, like mm-hmm. I mean, forty hours for six months is, right. is a lot. Yeah, but, um, they're up front with you and saying if you only do twenty four hours, you're not going to get this done in no. six months. No, you're going to need like a longer orientation essentially mm-hmm. if you can't make it work right um so yeah it's kind of just like a little bit of this and that mm-hmm. what you get is what you get and you just have to try and retain it all <laughs> yeah and so what was the do you remember the the first baby you, you brought in the first baby you, that was I, under your under your care on orientation on orientation yeah. yes and i remember probably even more so than my first baby so my first baby was a boy i remember that mm-hmm. and i had like a little run of boys at first mm-hmm. um i had like five or six or seven boys and then my very first ever girl's name was emma who was my daughter's name That's and special. so I, I remember telling the parents like i'm gonna remember this little baby for the rest of my life (laughs) is my first girl Mm -hmm. and her name is emma and you still remember it like it was yesterday. oh my god yeah yeah Yeah. that's so nice (laughs) and that was you got lucky that was like a smooth sailing delivery it was a smooth sailing delivery everything was good yeah talk yeah yeah, let's if you don't mind can we talk about like the the whole process yeah okay so like a a person comes in Mm -hmm. and they think they're in labor Mm mm-hmm and so they check in, they go to, mm-hmm. they go to triage, correct? Yeah. So we don't have like a, um, or we don't really use like a separate triage room, but um, mm-hmm. 
they come in, the triage nurse will take them to one of our labor rooms usually, and then we just put them on the monitor to begin with. And if they think they've broke their water, then we'll do like a ROM test and send it down to the lab to see if they have or not. And in Mm -hmm. the meantime, we just watch the strip for like half an hour to see if they're contracting. And then the provider, sometimes the provider will come down and check their cervix. Otherwise, they just have us do it. And they're like, yeah, you can check them, see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big thing is knowing, um, you know, how many weeks they are, like gestation wise, okay. especially because we we're, we don't have a NICU mm-hmm. at Milford. You know, we have a special care nursery, but it's not it's not like Boston Children. Right. So if someone comes in, that's like a 30 weeker we know that if this baby's delivering like we have we have a problem right <laughs> we have, have to, to get ambulance. yeah what was i talking about i don't remember <laughs> so, so if they're if they're if they're a 30 weeker oh right if they're a 30 weeker and know, they're coming in and they're like banging out contractions mm-hmm. we know we have to get things mobilized like we have to call a NICU team and get them there um because we are just not equipped to take care of a baby that little and that's a critical care transport correct that's a special team correct that deals with like boston children's has one yep where you get a nurse a paramedic Mm -hmm. um is there a a neonatologist on board the rig do you know i don't no, for sure. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's the nurses it's that the, we're talking yeah, to. The, the doctor is probably the doctor's on the phone with the neonatologist. Mm-hmm. We typically send patients to UMass or to Children's. Gotcha. Depending on like what specifically they need, like all the cardiac babies go to Children's. Gotcha. Uh, for the most part, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm lying, but for the most part, because they're the only level four okay. in level four nursery or level four NICU in Massachusetts. Um, so already you have a decision to make when they're in the the labor room slash triage area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you, let's say you determine now, mm-hmm. you have a full term baby. Yep. And everything looks okay. Yep. So far, where does it where does it go from there? So we've confirmed this this person is in labor, and yep. now you let them know, hey, you're staying in the hospital because happy birthday, you're gonna yeah. have a baby soon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it it kind of depends on how far along they are. So say it's like a full term baby. Um, Mom comes in and she's only like a centimeter dilated. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll watch her for like an hour or so. And it, it's all provider discretion, of course. But like if she's like um, maternity lingo, if she's a prime. So she just hasn't had a baby before mm-hmm. um, and she's only one centimeter. A lot of the times the doctors will be like, she can go home and labor at home for a little while. As long as she doesn't live super far away. Right. She can go home and labor at home for a little while and then come back. Mm-hmm. If the unit's empty like let her stay but if we're like strapped for rooms and it's a full moon or whatever right. yep. <laughs> um there's no reason for somebody to be there especially because like in labor um i feel like most people know that the more that you move around the faster things generally tend to go mm-hmm. and so if you're in a hospital room chances are you're sitting in a hospital bed and we mm-hmm. strap you to the monitors and now we're watching you and you're not getting up and moving around and doing all the things you'd be doing at home. That'll probably make things move a little bit faster. Gotcha. And when people are in the hospital and laying still and not moving around, that's when you get into more interventions. Okay. So that so that's, that's for a reason. You want things move. You don't want things stagnant. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. Because then you end up, you know, potentially end up having a c-section because things just are taking so long because you're just sitting in bed not doing anything but Mm -hmm. if you're up and home and you're moving around and you're walking around and whatever Mm -hmm. you know and no not everybody ends up with a c-section but Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's just like you're you're putting yourself in a situation Mm -hmm. where more interventions could be involved i guess right 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 it's it's just so funny because that kind of goes 
in the same thing, it's like I I picture all like hospitalizations mm-hmm. as you have like a plateau point. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell this to my students. I say mm-hmm. like your goal is to get your patient home safely. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is your end game goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have a very specific amount of time to do that because mm-hmm. what happens is, and I tell them, people start to get better. Mm-hmm. They plateau. Mm-hmm. If the if you do not strike when the iron is hot. If mm-hmm. they do not go somewhere and they stay in the hospital too long, mm-hmm. then you plateau, then you go down. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about like older patients or patients with like any kind of like baseline dementia mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you start getting into like hospital acquired delirium and mm-hmm. now you're opening up a whole nother can of worms because yeah. now they're going home confused because right. they've been here for too long. And yeah. And it's just so funny that like, you know, cause you think about that mm-hmm. and like exactly what you just said, like mm-hmm. the elderly population mm-hmm. or the chronically ill population, mm-hmm. you don't think about it in, in terms of labor and delivery Mm-mm. where you have like, you know, healthy people, right. like you said earlier, these mm-hmm. people are healthy. Mm-hmm. So if it ain't broke, don't, don't right. fix it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Essentially. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's a really hard thing. Like I know even like from my own personal experience with my kids. So I um, had my kids in Boston and I lived so far away and I had Emma in 2015, which was the winter, like the winter when we had like 10 feet of snow. And so I swear every time it freaking snowed, I ended up at the hospital in labor, mm-hmm. in labor, not really in labor, but like I was contracting. And so it was an hour away. We rushed there and I got sent home so many times and it's such a bummer. Uh-huh. It's such a bummer because you think, okay, I'm in labor. Like, I'm going home with my baby. And then we're like, no. Not today. <laughs> you will go home. Maybe later yeah, yeah. today, but like. But not right now. <laughs> it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing because it's like, sure, this might be early labor, but it might not. Like, contractions might peter out. Um, but you're just going to be a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. at home yeah. and a lot more like able to just get yourself ready in a better situation do you find that if like you explain it like that and you take the time to like sit somebody down they're they're pretty Mm -hmm. receptive of that notion yeah i think no matter what there's always going to be um emotions involved i mean we're talking about like people who are already in like a really heightened emotional state you know Mm -hmm. um and so there's always going to be disappointment with that but it's 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 mostly coming from a place of like just go home and get comfortable, like be comfortable, eat, have snacks. Because if you're here, we're probably not going to feed you either, especially if it's the middle of the night, because then we're nervous. Like what if we're watching the strip and it does go bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so it, it, it's that kind of stuff. Go home, rest, be comfortable, eat, take care of yourself and come back when things are like actually cranking. And then you're not here for, you know, right. four days. Right. So, so the next step, good segue. Yeah, things are cranking now. Yeah. Okay. So they they've labored, they've done yep. their thing. Yeah. You know, and as 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 think I think we all know is even like a person who's not a nurse knows some people labor for twenty four hours, mm-hmm. some people labor for fo- labor for four hours. Especially our inductions; those yeah. are just like you never know what you're gonna get. Right. Um. So things are cranking now. Mm-hmm. So it's time, and mm-hmm. you you go in, you assess your patient, mm-hmm. and you say we're ready to. Push. Push. It's, yep. ti- it's time to push. It's time. What's, Baby time. What's going on there? So um, it kind of depends on the situation, but a lot of times, especially overnight, like as the nurses, we're like checking our patients, we're checking their cervix ourselves. Um, and so like if I'm in the room and I realize my patient's fully dilated, I'll go out and I'll let the charge nurse know like we're going to start pushing. Mm-hmm. And then we either have another nurse or like one of our scrub techs or somebody will set a delivery table for us, which has like all the instruments and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
we'll, the nurses will start pushing with the patient, usually ourselves. Okay. We'll let the baby nurse know too because there's always a, like a nurse for mom and a nurse for the baby. So I'll let the baby nurse know we're going to have a baby soon. I'll give mm-hmm. them like a brief rundown, you know, mom's blood type, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um, do you ha- do you have nurses that are just baby nurses for the shift? Like if there is a birth? So usually our triage nurse does that. Our triage nurse is, they're taking, you know, whoever's coming in, you know, they're getting them set up in the room. And then okay. um, a lot of times, so we'll, we'll only, we usually only have one triage nurse, mm-hmm. um, but that's her job for the whole night. I'm saying her, we do have, we do have one male nurse. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but that's their job for the night. And if someone comes in in labor, they usually take over that patient. If it's somebody who's already in labor, mm-hmm. then the triage nurse will be the baby nurse. And gotcha. so if it's like a really active night, that triage nurse is the baby nurse quite a few times. They're bumping. Yeah. Um, and so they usually do the babies. But mm-hmm. if not, then we'll either have... Um, you know, somebody that's on postpartum that maybe only has like one couplet, they'll come and do the baby or mm. whatever. It's kind of like, it's one of the things I like most about maternity is like, you just never know where right. the night's going to take you. Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes you're doing one thing and they're like, we need a baby nurse. Like right now, who's, who's standing here that can right. do it. The play gets audible a lot is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to just do it. But, but that, <laughs> that that keeps things really exciting. It does. It, it does. And I think I need that a little bit myself. I need like a little bit of that adrenaline. So the nights that I'm on postpartum for like 12 hours at a time, I'm a little like, okay. Yeah. Can <laughs> somebody some give excitement. birth, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so then usually we'll start pushing with the patient and we just, we wait to call the doctors in until it's like literally time to catch the baby. You hope gotcha. that it's not a nurse delivery and that you call them in time. Yeah. Um, but um, have yeah. You, have you had one of those yet? I have not. Don't jinx me. Okay. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, so, and, and now like the, in, in theory here, we're continuing mm-hmm. with our story. Mm-hmm. Baby's here. Mm-hmm. Baby comes out. Mm-hmm. We'll say everything goes great. Mm-hmm. So baby nurse gets baby. Mm-hmm. And then you you stick with mom. Yeah. So a lot of the times baby nurse doesn't really even get baby. Baby goes right on mom. Okay. So baby will come out and if, you know, they're crying and they look great, they'll just go straight skin, skin to skin with mom. They clamp the cord. They cut it after 30 seconds. Um, and baby will just stay there. And we're just like drying and stimulating and doing all our NRP things. Um, mm-hmm while baby's just on mom skin to skin mm-hmm. and we try to keep them there for an hour if we can if mm-hmm. anything starts to like look funny or if the nurse just feels like she can't get a great look at the baby or doesn't like something that they see mm-hmm. then they'll take the baby over to the warmer and do you know whatever mm-hmm. needs to be done um but typically you were just leaving the baby right there where it is and mm-hmm. then uh the delivery nurse you know stays with mom the baby nurse stays there and they're just keeping an eye on that baby the whole time mm-hmm even while they're skin to skin. And then, um, and, and what are you, what are you guys looking for as, as a nurse with new baby? Like, so when you, like the baby comes out, you mm-hmm. put it on mom, mm-hmm. everything's going good. What mm-hmm. are you, what are you seeing to you that says, you know what, this is okay. This is great. Yeah. Um, and so, so mostly what we're looking for is a couple things like their color, okay. right? Every baby comes out kind of like a blueberry at first. And so we're waiting to see like how quickly they pink up. Mm-hmm. Um, not all babies cry instantly. Some will make a little noise, but not all babies come out screaming bloody murder. And those are the ones that make me nervous. The ones that are just like calm, cool, and collected. I'm like, why mm-hmm. are you crying? Um, 
but that. So are they crying? Um, are they pinking up? And what their heart rate is? Because we want their heart rate over 100, over 110 if, if we can. So we're like immediately as baby goes to mom, we're mm-hmm. listening to their heart rate right away. Gotcha. And their respirations, which their respirations usually are fast at first. And it's that, like they call it the golden hour. That's first hour of skin to skin time where they're mm-hmm. regulating their temperature, their breathing, um, and their heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're looking at like those, I would say those three things are the main things. They're breathing their color and their heart rate which are pretty much like the apgar scores Mm -hmm. their tone a little bit are they like super floppy or are they like able to contract a little Mm -hmm. um they love to get small yeah babies love to get small yeah if you see those (laughs) little arms like all taut up and shrinked up you're like this is good yeah it's the babies that come out like this that are like oh my god scary like floppy little rag dolls Mm -hmm. um but yeah, as long as that all looks okay, um, we do like vitals every like 15 minutes and then every half an hour on the baby. So the baby nurse, if if they have the luxury of being able to stay, or if you as the delivery nurse have the luxury of having a triage nurse or someone there to be able to stay with your baby, great. Otherwise, you have now have a brand new baby and a mom to take care of. Yeah. Um, and so if baby looks great, then we just, you know, if mom needs any kind of repair, stitches, that kind of stuff, you're getting that stuff for the doctor mm-hmm. and you know, lidocaine if they need it. And um, we pretty much start right away with recovery, which is the first two hours after delivery, whether it's a C-section or a vaginal delivery. Okay. Um, and that's every 15 minutes, you're doing vitals, you're doing fundal checks to make sure that their their uterus is like clamping down and getting nice and firm. You're checking their bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned, I had a hemorrhage a couple of weeks ago and for the first like 40 minutes, she was fine. Mm-hmm. Like really no bleeding at all. And then all of a sudden it was like a friggin' waterfall. Like, wow. yeah. Um, so you're doing all that with mom, like I said, every 15 minutes vitals, checking her belly, you know, she nauseous, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, and at the same time, you're doing the vitals on the baby. If the baby wants to nurse, you're getting them latched on. Mm-hmm. Baby assessments, baby meds, weighing the baby, measurements. Mm-hmm. It's those two hours after delivery are yeah. bananas. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot There's, there's a lot a to lot. do. Yeah. You have, you have like things that are required that you have yeah. to do. And then there's all the administrative stuff too. Like now yeah. you're switching them. I have to put in the new orders, like switch the order set from laboring to delivery. You right. have to register the baby in the computer. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, like if we have a secretary on or unit coordinator on, they can do that for you. If you are lucky enough, like I said, to have a baby nurse that can stay your baby nurse, they can put in the baby orders. They can do the assessment. They can do the meds, but it doesn't always work out that way. Right. Um, I th- That was, so I've, I have delivered three three babies mm-hmm. in my in my emergency department career <sighs> and one of the things that gave me a moment of pause mm. believe it or not after everything that that had just happened mm-hmm. was when registration came in and said yeah we have to register them I'm like yeah. what do you mean they're like well now they're, they're a, a patient they're a patient yeah. they have to go in the computer <laughs> yep. and i was like baby g or baby b yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it just says baby boy last yep. name yep. and in in the emergency department the first thing in your triage is mode of arrival whether mm. ambulatory mm-hmm. or wheelchair or mm-hmm. ambulance yeah and i took a second and i just wrote vaginal delivery <laughs> like okay like the, miracle of birth yeah they're there but it, it was just so funny that like the the out of all the things, the administrative portion yeah. of it took me back for a second. Yep. Um, it, it was it was just something that 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 I thought was was really funny and kind of mm-hmm. absurd. Like we know they're here, we know they're a patient. Yeah. But for insurance' sake, we still have to do this. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, 
And then after, so so you recover mom and, mm-hmm. and baby's doing good. Then mm-hmm. they go to, an, to another part of the floor, correct? Yeah. So usually after those two hours are up, we get mama, make sure she can pee. We take out her epidural if she has one. Um, if they're a C-section patient, we take out the Foley. We get them all cleaned up in the bathroom. And then um, we'll wheel them down to the other side of the floor, which is our postpartum side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there on, Again, it kind of depends on staffing and all that. Sometimes you'll stay with them. Sometimes you'll go back to labor. Sometimes you'll pick them up in another couple postpartum couplets. Um, but from there on out, it's, it's it's a lot of like breastfeeding support if we're doing that. Feeding in general right. is the big thing. <laughs> right. Um, and continuing to check mom like vitals, bleeding, mm-hmm. fundus, all of that. And then, you know, shift assessments on the mom, on the baby. When did they eat? For how long? Did they pee? Did they poop? Have they peed or pooped yet in mm-hmm. life? All that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, Pete, I, I don't think people really know the um, the amount of physiology that has to change mm-hmm. from a little one to mm-hmm. be coming from in the womb mm-hmm. to out in the to transition to out in the big yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- there's a lot that has to happen. Yeah. They have to reroute their entire circulatory system. Yep. They have to use organs that have been submerged in in amniotic fluid for the past nine months. Yep. They have to regulate a body temperature. They Mm -hmm. have to regulate a blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And babies, depending on what the situation is, have a really hard time with those two things. Mm -hmm. And some babies just... The the temp and the the blood sugar. The temp and the blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of protocols for blood sugars in particular. Mm -hmm. If the mom's on any kind of blood pressure medication, blood pressure medication, labetalol specifically, Mm Mm-hmm. Those babies are blood sugar babies, Mm -hmm. babies that are big, babies that are little, babies that um, have moms that are diabetic. There's all kinds of like reasons why we do sugars on babies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it goes hand in hand with the temperatures too, because if babies are trying to maintain their temperature, they're using their blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And so we get into that like little merry-go-round of their temp's low, their sugar's low, their temp's low, their sugar's low. Mm -hmm. Um, and so those are, I feel like are two of like the big education points Mm -hmm. with parents is like feed the baby a lot more than you think you need to. Mm Mm-hmm. And like put clothes on them, <laughs> put a little t-shirt on, wrap them in the blanket, yeah. keep them skin to skin. Like they just, they lose so much heat so quickly. Mm-hmm. And some babies just are better at it than others. Some babies mm-hmm. take longer to transition than others. You know, some of, a lot of our babies, I feel like that do end up, you know, needing to go over to the warmer and need interventions of some kind, whether they just need the warmer, they need the lights to, you mm-hmm. know, warm their body up, or they end up needing like PPV or CPAP or something to help them breathe. Mm-hmm. It's not because anything's wrong, usually. It's just some babies take longer to transition, right. like you said, you know, circulatory-wise, like respiratory-wise. It just takes them longer to realize, I need to do this on my own now. Right. Um, and it's scary for parents because I think their immediate reaction is oh, like, totally. what's wrong with my baby? And right. it's it's not always that something, sometimes it's something, something's wrong, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's just... He needed a moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and how do you like? How do you deal with that? Because so I'll like I'll I'll share something where my first child, mm. not right after birth, mm-hmm. but when he was a just before he was three months old, got mm-hmm. got very ill, mm. which required um, a hospitalization, mm. which turned into Children's Hospital, mm. which turned into the intensivist being consulted, mm. and. I thought before that that I had known the definition of helplessness. Mm. I had no idea. Mm-mm. None. Zero. Nope. 
so how do you like you say mm-hmm. if you because you know this is okay mm-hmm. this is this is not a big deal that your baby has to have a little you know respiratory support mm-hmm. how do you deal with that and explain to like mom and dad like mm-hmm. you know it's gonna it's gonna be okay yeah that is something that's really hard for me uh-huh. because in general, I tend to be a person that like wants to make everything Mary Poppins. Like, uh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Like, it's going to be great. Don't worry about it. He's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. See, I, I just did it there. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because you don't know that. You're right. You're you absolutely right. You don't know that. Right. And like, it's, it's, it's a hard line to find telling someone too much and not enough, mm-hmm. you know? I, I find, like, even my patients that are in labor, mm-hmm. I tend to ask them, if something happens, do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know why? Or do you want me to just come in and fix it, right? Like, if I see, like, a D-cell on the monitor, mm-hmm. um, do you want me to just come in and flip you on your side? Or do you want me to explain to you, this is what happened, mm-hmm. the baby's heart rate dropped, He's probably laying on his cord. This is what we need to do to fix it. Because right. some people find information to be com- comforting and some people find information to be terrifying. That's so smart that you right? do that. That's, because, that's really smart that you I, do that. And I, I, part of the reason why is because I did, I was with a nurse who was like precepting me once. And I could tell that what she was telling the patient had the patient so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And this was a patient who was going for a stat section. Gotcha. It wasn't an emergency. It wasn't like a bedside section, but we needed to get the baby out yeah. like pretty quickly. Right. And so things changed for her really fast. She went from thinking she was going to have this baby vaginally to all of a sudden now you're going for a C-section. Right. And the nurse was just trying to explain to her everything that was going to happen. And I could just tell looking at this poor mama's face that like she could not even absorb mm-hmm. what was being said to her. And right. that was sort of the moment for me to be like... I need to just ask them mm-hmm. what they need from me in that moment because mm-hmm. everybody's different. Yeah. But when it comes to the babies, like the kiddos, it's the same kind of thing. Like all parents react differently. So mm-hmm. if we take a baby over to a warmer, it's usually the dads because mom's in the bed, right? right, right Some right. of the dads are right there like watching everything that's happening. They need to know. They want to know. Some of the dads are in the corner, not like backs to us. Can't. Right physically watch okay and that was hard for me at first because i'm like what the heck is wrong like why isn't he like why doesn't he want to know and Mm -hmm. it's it's they can't they Mm -hmm. just can't they can't handle it you know they're paralyzed with fear paralyzed yeah yeah and they just everyone expects this beautiful perfect baby to come out um and so i tend to just like take the most honest approach i can which is like i said is really hard for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do and to just say like we're doing everything we can Mm-hmm. we have great doctors here we have great nurses we have a great team and everybody's doing everything they possibly can to get your baby back to you as soon as we can and right. if we need to take them to the nursery i will get you to the nursery like yeah. we'll find a way to to work it all out but mm-hmm. your baby needs a little help right now sometimes baby needs babies need a little help mm-hmm. um and we're all just going to do the best that we can yeah. And every time I say those words, I would die a little inside. Right. <laughs> I just want to throw up. But people, but we were talking about this before we started, you know, our conversation here. People like have this notion that bringing babies into the world mm-hmm. is this flawless, mm-hmm. carefree experience. Mm-hmm. And 
It's not. It's Have, not. I, having babies is a dangerous business. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and I think people think that about maternity that like we just snuggle babies all night long. And mm-hmm. like, sure, there, there are nights like postpartum nights where, you know, we do. We mm-hmm. take we take some of the babies out of the room. If the parents say it's okay and we can tell they like really need to sleep because mm-hmm. that's super important. And when you have a brand new baby in the room, you're sleeping with one eye open and you just had surgery or mm-hmm. you're going home to two kids under four or whatever, like you need to sleep so you can take care of yourself, so you can take care of yeah. the baby. Like as we know, especially in Massachusetts with that terrible like story, yeah, that Mass General nurse, like postpartum mental health is a big Mm-hmm. deal and it a starts right big, away right away right away you can see you mm-hmm. can see very early on in some patients that they need help right. they need support and so we do a lot of times at night we take the babies out of the room and we just i literally say to them like i'm just gonna snuggle i'm just gonna love your baby mm-hmm. all night that's all i'm gonna do i can bring them to you if you want me to if you want to feed them and i can wake you up or we can give them a bottle like whatever you want to do mm-hmm. um but for the most part it's bananas right because you just never know what's going to walk through the door because Mm -hmm. it's like i said we're an emergency room we're a labor floor we're an operating room like it's just bonkers there's a lot of there's a lot of different skill subsets that have to go into this yeah and you just never know from one minute to the next how the night's going to change and it's literally worst case scenario i mean you're dealing with a mom and a baby and so when things go bad it's like Mm mm-hmm I don't know that there's anything worse than like something happening to right. like a pregnant mom or a newborn baby. Right. Like that's, right. that's bad. That's the worst. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. Um, when, if, if things go wrong, mm-hmm. if and when things go mm-hmm. wrong, um, like worst case scenario go wrong. Mm-hmm. You have a hemorrhage, you have mm-hmm. a placenta that mm-hmm. has been secretly abrupting. Mm-hmm. You have a blue baby mm-hmm. that comes into the world. Um, how many resources do, do do you call on for that? Is it all hands on deck? Yeah, so we call we call a code throughout the hospital, okay. um, and when it gets to that point, so like with a hemorrhage, we have stages for hemorrhage stage one, stage two, stage three. Usually, stage two we like start to tell people, um, and then stage three is like all hands on deck. You have everybody there. You're hanging blood products. You have IV. You have whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you're going back to the operating room in that sort of situation for a DNC, um, and then. It's it's really the same for babies. Mm-hmm. Um, we have everybody just mm-hmm. coming from left, right, and center to help. You have anesthesia and IV and everybody. And you have and we have you, now, yeah, because you you get like some serious training on. Yeah, this we stuff. do the NRP training. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So does that involve like simulations, like yeah. case studies? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, like ACLS or or that kind of thing. They um, it's it's like a full day long thing that we have to do and. Mm-hmm. Um, the simulation is the the worst part because <laughs> it's just like you're fake intubating a baby. Like, mm-hmm. ugh. And they throw the book at you. Yeah, a book. Yeah, like a book. Yeah, <laughs> but but like but like we but like we said, it's 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 for a reason. Like, you, oh yeah, you need to understand that yeah. chaos. And you need yep. to understand that fear because because yeah. once you understand it, mm-hmm. it never goes away. Right. But you can operate in it. Right. You know, I I. I have been, I'm sure, just as you, and I've been doing this for a long time, mm-hmm. afraid, mm-hmm. absolutely terrified, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not to freeze. Yes, yes. And that's it's something I say to people all the time when they find out that I was a dancer before I was a nurse, because uh-huh. I think 
sometimes people, when they hear that, like, I was a ballet dancer, they automatically think, like, it might as well be like I'm saying I'm a fairy princess. You know what I mean? It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like real life. Gotcha. But there's a lot that I feel like is compatible. Mm-hmm. With that, because as like any kind of like artist or performer, you have to figure out how to do that Mm -hmm. and how to figure out how to just like do things even when everything's going wrong Mm -hmm. and like keep that like calm, cool, collected sort of exterior, even though you're like shitting your pants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't sleep on Brienne. Brienne can rock and roll. (laughs) Brienne's a newer nurse. Brienne can rock and roll. I don't know about that, but... um, But you you do do, because you have to. You have to. You have to because you're already dealing with a situation where people are super vulnerable. And if you melt down, like what are they going to do? You know, but we have lots of support. I mean, night shift is different than days always, but like we talked Mm -hmm. about earlier, I feel like the night shift crew just sort of gets shit done. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a pediatrician on the floor, um, like respiratory at our hospital is really great. As soon as we call them, they're there. And so Mm -hmm. those are usually the first two people that we call in our PD and respiratory. Like if we go back for a C-section, they're pretty much there regardless of the situation. Like, you know, nine times out of 10, they're they're there, even Mm -hmm. if it's like a healthy type situation just in case yeah um and and the like the the plan of this you talked earlier about the the plan mm-hmm. i feel like every couple that comes in mm-hmm. has a plan mm-hmm. um and i <laughs> i i has i i choose my words very carefully mm-hmm. here because like you and i know mm-hmm. that like you have a plan yeah i respect your plan yeah i love that you have a plan yep i will audible your plan yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny because my friend and I were literally talking about this exact thing today because Uh I think in any field and including nursing, there's always people who want to do things their way, Mm -hmm. you know, as nurses, you know, whether they've been there for a year or they've been a nurse for 40 years, they want to do things their way. And Mm -hmm. there are people who generally are just a little bit more flexible. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we have patients that come in with like a 14 page birth plan, have you, have you had that? Somebody somebody comes in with an itinerary. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, there are nurses who don't like it. Um, I like it Okay. because I feel like that's someone who's educated themselves and, whether some of the things are like la la land or real life is mm-hmm. not necessary for me to burst their bubble in that moment. Mm-hmm. But just to have the conversation with them of like, if things go wrong, mm-hmm. is it okay if we X, Y, Z and all people care about is like getting their baby there safely. Right. And so I've never had the experience of someone when it comes to like an emergency type situation being like, no, that's not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. in that moment, most people are like, just get my kid here safely. Right. Keep my wife safe, whatever the situation is, Mm -hmm. you know. So it doesn't bother me, you know, like Mm -hmm. people have in their head that it's going to be this beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing. But a lot of times it's like real messy in between. Mm -hmm. Um and you really just have to like roll with the punches as right. a nurse and as a patient too, because your plan is your plan, but your baby's the one who's like calling the shots from now on. Starts starts even before labor. Like that kid is the boss now. That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> like this ba- this baby will dictate the road yes. that we we go down. Tiny little dictator. Yep. Um, I never I never thought about it like that, but it's it's totally true. Whenever. Mm-hmm. 
like I, I can speak with experience from my children when, whenever something would change on the monitor, mm-hmm. you know, you'd have to have that in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the plan has to change. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we need to do this. So the, so the kid we were saying ca- calls the shots. Yes, very much so. From before they are born. Yes. And the, the play has to revolve around baby. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that it can be a little bit challenging to kind of, to, to rope that situation in. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met somebody who's just like so locked in to what, to what they want? It's like, it's difficult to get, to get the point across sometimes. Yes. Okay. Yes, for sure. Um, I think, especially when it comes to pain management for moms, I think they kind of come in with their idea of what they want. And I mean, generally for the moms who don't want like a medicated birth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, epidural seems to be like a huge point of contention these days. Yeah, it is. I, I will say the majority of my patients get epidurals. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, there is always that moment of like, do they want it? Do they not? Do they want to try narcotics? Do they want to try nitrous? We do too. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel like people aren't as, um, it's like they think it's epidural or nothing. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily know that there are other options in terms of like Nubane or nitrous which some people love the nitrous and some people hate it what well, well, like, i hate it. i'm not familiar with that one so what's so like what's, laughing uh, gas oh okay like at the dentist yeah awesome so it doesn't necessarily like take all the pain away mm-hmm. but it just like not like um what's the word i'm looking for like not numbs your brain but like dulls i guess yeah. dulls those like receptors or whatever so uh-huh. that you just you're so happy you don't really realize that you're, you're in pain, pain but it's I all guess. good it's not that yeah it, okay. and so it, it kind of takes the edge off a little bit okay and so they just have the little mask on their face like at the dentist and sort of as the contractions ramping up they take they put the mask on mm-hmm. they take a couple deep breaths and mm-hmm. then as the contracting contractions ending they take it off but they have to be able to do it themselves like gotcha. you can't put the mask on them their partner can't do it for them like okay. they have to do it and that's just a safety guard Yes. I see. Yeah, because you can get pretty loopy just like inhaling it. Cause, right. And that's why some people don't like it, I think, because they're inhaling and then they feel dizzy or woozy or whatever. And they're like, mm, no, this isn't for me. Yep. Um, and so that's a big part of it, I think, is just like educating people that there are other options. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to just be an epidural. Or you have people who come in who have had babies before but who had a really bad epidural mm-hmm. experience for whatever reason. Because sometimes things don't go to plan like we've talked about i know even like my own epidural like it was just a difficult placement Mm -hmm. and so when i had this one with my second i was like a wreck doing it because i remembered the first one being just not enjoyable experience Mm -hmm. um and so i think there's a lot of anxiety around that and there's also there's no way to predict what's going to happen Mm-hmm. how long things are going to take. And so a lot of times people will say, well, you know, how much longer? Because I can take the pain, but for how much longer? And it's like, I don't know. Right. It could be an hour. It could be 12 right. or more. Um, and that's where like fatigue starts to play a role in pain and all that too is is people, you know, when do they hit a wall? But um, I feel like that's the part that people get hung up on the most in labor at least is, mm-hmm. well, I don't want an epidural. Right. Um, and then push comes to shove, they're in a lot of pain. And it's like, okay, well, well, what do you want to do now? Because these are our options and we need to sort of like mm-hmm. pick one. And I think a lot of moms for whatever reason feel 
like that mom guilt already or like that failure because they got an epidural and it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter right you know like your baby got there safely it's fine exactly. but i think it's hard for a lot of people to like admit okay this i need to do this well you see, you see it all you see it all the time like with social media mm-hmm. and you know mom groups mm-hmm. and it, it's like i said it, it's a very high point of Mm-hmm. contention mm-hmm. for for yes. people giving birth or people who are pregnant and trying to kind of mm-hmm. put together a birthing plan mm-hmm. and ju- just like you said it's like there's no shame in that game if you right. need an epidural you need an epidural right and i think people a lot of people like you're saying social media wise tend to wear this like unmedicated birth as like a badge of honor kind of thing of like i did this amazing thing mm-hmm. you did an amazing thing like mm-hmm. congratulations yeah. There's nothing wrong with needing an epidural yeah. either. But but the mom who needed, who got an epidural also she did, did the ama- same thing. He, she she did still an worked thing really freaking hard yeah. and had baby. <laughs> exactly. It's not any easier. Yeah. And when push comes to shove, when you're pushing out a baby, even with an epidural, it still hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there so, are a so lot of c- patients that are so, like, "Why does this hurt?" And it's like because you're having a baby. Yeah. You're shoving a watermelon out of like a poppy seed. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so so congratulations, ladies. You're both winners. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You've reached the finish line. We have healthy children. Healthy baby is all that matters. Awesome. All that matters same with breastfeeding bottle feeding you have a baby that's fed fantastic breastfeeding is wonderful feed mm-hmm. your baby yeah. whatever you need to do to be sane and be healthy mm-hmm. like mentally is is all that matters sleep yes sleep is huge yes i had an experience the first the first time around mm-hmm. with our our first child mm-hmm. where the name of the game the culture at the time mm-hmm. uh, i'll never forget it was rooming in yeah there were signs everywhere mm-hmm rooming in mm-hmm. do not send your baby away mm-hmm. rooming in baby in, friendly baby friendly no pacifiers all that yep and i said to my wife i said you know what's also good though you just had a c-section and you should probably sleep yeah you need some rest yeah and you know the the guilt was there yes the, there is the guilt i said honey this is why we have the nursery and i'm speaking yep. as a nurse too yep. I said, this is why we have the nursery. Mm-hmm. These people love to snuggle babies. Mm-hmm. I, I promise you. Yeah. Um, but for again, it's it's another point of contention. It is. Uh, with the epidural, rooming in seemed mm-hmm. to be the other major point of mm-hmm. contention in the process. And here. that's a big thing, I think, right now in the U.S. is that like sort of baby-friendly um, uh, label, whatever mm. you want to call it. But like I said, like mental health, I mean – like your body just went through a lot your brain went through a lot and it's only gonna keep building from Mm -hmm. here like you have a brand new human being to take care of and so that's always what i tell people especially because we have a lot of times a lot of situations where people have more than one child and so Mm -hmm. um you know the partner the father the whatever has to go home Mm -hmm. and take care of the other child because there's no child care and so then the mom is there alone trying to Mm -hmm. take care of the baby overnight and that's when i go in and i say if you need me to take this kid you know, for mm-hmm. a little while, even if it's just for an hour so you can get like one good hour sleep. Right. Please let me do that for mm-hmm. you. Because ultimately all that matters here is that you leave the hospital healthy and you don't need to drive yourself crazy. You don't win any medals for staying up all night and not letting me help you. Right. Like it's hard to ask for help sometimes. It's hard to accept help sometimes. But mm-hmm. like, let me do that for you. That's right. why I'm here. You're making my night go by faster. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you want a badge for sleepless nights, I guarantee you those are You're coming. You're still going to get it. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> Just you, you not might here as well, in the hospital. <laughs> you might as well enjoy the help now while you yeah, have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds like, you know, hearing you talk about this and hearing the process, mm-hmm. 
it sounds like you were meant to do this. This is the calling. This is it. That's how it feels. Yeah. It is. It's, you know, it's... How good is that? It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's really good to finally feel like I found my home in nursing. And like I said, I felt it in nursing school. Um, but it's nice to, like, be interested in it and, like, really want to learn more about it and... I don't don't just want to be a maternity nurse. I want to be like really good maternity nurse. You know, I mm-hmm. want to be the person that like. Well, it sounds like you're a great maternity nurse. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but like, I feel like I I hear so many people say I remember my labor and delivery nurse. I remember my postpartum nurse. I didn't have that experience. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just another patient in their roster. Um, and with my first, you know, I was trying to labor without an epidural and I really needed help because I was like really struggling. And the nurse literally said to me, call me when you want your epidural. And I was like, yeah, that's bitchy. That, yeah. No, that'll, that'll, they, like, cause you, you, get, you get nowhere after that. Yeah. You, I was so defeated. Do you want to confide like, in that person after that? No, no, I was so defeated, like so, so defeated. And so I want to give that experience to other people. Like, I don't care if they remember my name or not, but I just want to, I want them to feel like I took good care of them and their baby. And like, I made them feel safe and comfortable and like they knew what they were doing because there's so much doubt as a new parent, your second as any parent, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my kids are eight and five. I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing, but you know what I mean? Like there's so much doubt. There's so much imposter syndrome, so much feeling like you don't know what to do and just telling people to like trust their instincts and all of that. But it's like, it's still a challenge for me in so many ways, like mm-hmm. coming from med surge right. too. Like it's just um, like, I remember one of my first days, someone being like, Oh, her blood pressure is like 130 over 90. And I was like, so, <laughs> like, so <laughs> right. like it was this big deal, you know? And so it was like little things like that, getting used to like, that is a big deal on maternity. Like someone's like diastolic number being 90 or above. That's a big deal. We start to get worried about preeclampsia. Right. Um, and so like little things like that, that you never would have expected with COVID. I mean, we let patients O2 sets go to 88. That, those are the parameters, 88 to 94 on mm. oxygen. Right. And so when I see like a 94% after a C-section, I'm like, they're fine. And other people are like, oh my God, our oxygen is only 94. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff is so different coming from med surge background. But um, I, I'm glad that I had that experience. Mm-hmm. I do feel like it was helpful for me, particularly in emergency situations. Um, I feel like I go to mom. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's sort of like my happy place. I know what to do. I can take care of her. Um and I'm not completely panicked, mostly mm-hmm. panicked, but not completely panicked. But able to operate. But able to operate. And I feel like, um, you know, there are people that go straight into maternity and that's wonderful. But I do feel like it was helpful for me, at least, particularly mm-hmm. to do that time in med surge and long-term care too, even though I did it kicking and screaming and didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I, I feel like it was beneficial for me in a lot mm-hmm. of ways too. Who So – for newer nurses who are mm-hmm. trying to who are trying to break into labor and delivery mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. now that you've done it for a while yeah what are the the traits and the attributes that you would look at somebody and mm. be like you, you mm. like we you're you're cut out for this mm. i think in general it's someone who really wants 
to nurse to take care of people, kind of like I said earlier. Like when I was applying for the maternity jobs, I was like, I'm either, if I don't get this maternity job, I'm going to apply for the ICU because mm-hmm. at least then it's like one-to-one patient care, two-to-one patient care. Like I just wanted that you know, those like smaller ratios where I really felt like this one patient, because in labor, that's we're one-to-one in labor. Right. Um, I just wanted that. Even though it's different, very different nursing, I wanted to feel like I was really taking care of like that patient. Um, and I feel like there's a nurturing aspect in all nursing, but I feel like particularly in maternity nursing, I mean, you're talking about people who are really in a very heightened emotional state and they need they do need to be taken care of they need to be coddled you have to be okay with like giving people a lot of attention mm-hmm. um and lots of like therapeutic communication right. <laughs> nursing school terms um but you just i don't know you just have to love it you just have to love labor and delivery like mm-hmm. i said i went into it thinking i wanted to do pediatrics like right. i wanted to work with kids that's what i wanted to do and i just like that first day on the labor and delivery floor i was just like hooked like hooked and i i really do think it's one of those things that it's either for you or it's not okay you know like it's definitely you have to really you have to really love it Mm -hmm. we had a um a nurse who started around the same time as me who came from the emergency room Mm -hmm. and it happened to be like a slow week her first week on orientation and she Mm -hmm. went right back to the emergency room and I wonder if she had stayed, you know, and seen like how crazy it, it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, if she if she really would have liked it, right? You know, uh, but maybe not, and that's okay too. And it didn't take her a year to figure it out. She figured it out in like a week or two, and was like, "No, oh, this isn't for me. I'm done." Good for them. Good for her. You know, <laughs> like don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's the nice thing about nursing in general. Like you're not tied to one specific thing. Yeah. And as scary as it is to change, um, not careers. What's the word I'm looking for? Your specialty. Specialty. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um because it feels like you're starting over again and you have to feel like you're a new grad and that has to be okay. You have to feel like you don't know what you're doing. It's scary, but there's always that option. And the minute I feel like it starts to get stale for you, you should do that Mm -hmm. because we aren't in a position to like really affect people's lives no matter what specialty we're in. And the moment it becomes like a job for you, like a mundane, I don't want to do this, you need to look for a change. And there's so many options with nurses, like Mm -hmm. so many options, so many different things that you can do. As scary as it is, like just do it and find the thing that you like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. makes it so that you don't go to work like dreading your life every day like it was for me at the end there before I moved to maternity. Right. Because that was, it sucked. Right. Last question I wanted to ask. Mm. Have you ever seen a dad pass out? I have not, actually. No, I have not, but it happens all the time. Really? All the time, (laughs) particularly in the operating room. So, okay. So what happens if dad goes down? Is it a rapid response of its own? Like, are you just guys kind of kind of try to keep it internal? We try to keep it internal. Let's just pick this fool up off the floor and go from there. I tell all my dads, like right off the bat, whether it's a C-section or just like a regular vaginal delivery, if you feel woozy at all, you have to tell me. Yeah. It's not a big deal. People pass out all the time, but your wife's going to be real mad at you right. if we're paying attention <laughs> to you and not her. Mm-hmm. So 
just tell us. And right. then we can, there's no shame. We just will figure it out. Uh-huh. And a lot of times I like to ask them, like when I first meet them, like how do you do in these kinds of situations? How do you deal with blood? How do you deal with stress? How do you deal with like seeing your wife in pain? And some people don't know, and that's okay too. And I just say, like, the chair is going to be behind you. If you feel anything at all, you need to sit down. Right. Because your wife will kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is supposed to be about her today. Yes, yes. Okay, we don't need you Yeah, we don't need mansplaining to be, your way yeah. into a hospital admission. And you don't need to explain to your baby when they're 18 that, like, we weren't paying attention to you because your dad is on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would totally take, I, well, I wouldn't as a nurse, but, like, if I was, like, a bystander or, like, a, a, another person, I would take that picture. Uh, I'm like, this is going to go on your kid's yeah, 18th birthday yeah, cake. Yeah. There's going to be mom holding you and you passed <laughs> out, arms floor. out. Oh my God. Like crucifixion style on the floor. In like, the operating room in you. their bunny suit too. Yep. How embarrassing. Yep. But yeah, it, it happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Luckily, again, I feel like you're jinxing me like a whole lot here. <laughs> we'll <laughs> my knock, nurse delivery. And- we'll knock on wood. <laughs> But that's it. again, you have like that med surge skills. You're like, I got yeah, this. It's okay. Start an we'll IV, figure it out. get some fluid in yeah, them. Yeah, just and we'll explain this later. Yeah, smell an alcohol wipe, see if that wakes them up. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, for coming. For having me. And I really hope that you know whether you're new, whether you're looking to make a change, mm-hmm. that this gives everybody a little insight as to what it means to be a, a maternity labor and delivery nurse mm-hmm. in uh, in our current time. So. As always, catch us next time on Nursing Your Career, and uh, we'll see you guys with the next one.